0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you decided to share a life and family with your partner, it's possible you didn't consider that you'd be spending every waking moment with them in the same space. Some relationships may thrive in that kind of environment, but I'm guessing that many do not, particularly when you're looking after kids and trying to work too. Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of Relationships Australia New South Wales and a practicing psychologist. She's here to help us navigate relationships in lockdown. Hi Elizabeth, how are you? Hi, oh, good, thank, thank you. I do start most interviews these days by asking how people are going in lockdown. How are you?
1: Well, look, I probably find it as stressful as everybody else, although I do notice a few limited upsides. I think it's, um, it's pretty tough going.
0: Yeah. When we talk about relationships, uh, I just mentioned there that some people might thrive when they're living in each other's pockets, but I imagine many would not. Is this kind of um, restrictive environment something that
1: is stressful for most relationships? Look, I think it is if not occasionally, then certainly um you know you'd be surprised by that because I think the reality is that for relationships to thrive, we are living generally in a cast of thousands, so we resource ourselves through a variety of other connections that we have and we bring that energy back to the nest in service of everybody. I think the reality is that without that stimulation, you do end up turning to each other a bit more than possibly is really healthy for the relationship. And some people could really worry about that and say, gee, you know, the chips are down and we can't even rely on each other. But it's more important to look at it from a strengths-based perspective and say, well, we're at our strongest when we do have, you know, friends and separate social life and lots of other stimulation. That's when we really thrive. So why would we be doing well under these circumstances? You know, more to cut yourself some slack and say, yeah, things are not great for us. It's not a sign of us being deficient. It's a sign of us not having all the elements that make us set up for success, which are, you know, how we normally live. So it's not something to see
0: as a failing in your relationship if if you are finding you have a few tense moments.
1: Not at all, not at all. In fact, um, you know, it's more of a sign of your humanness than it is a sign of a relationship problem in in many cases.
0: While we're talking about the added pressure of being in lockdown, what about those relationships that may have had uh, exacerbating stresses before this happened? Let's say it could be financial or perhaps they have a sick child. It could make it an even more difficult relationship with coronavirus lockdown put on top of that, have you got any tips for those relationships that were already dealing with stressor factors outside their relationship?
1: Well, look, there's, a, there's certainly a couple of things. So one is that you shouldn't treat yourselves as the same as everybody else because everybody's dealing with certain elements and it's tempting to say, well, you know, well everyone's struggling, so I don't want to make a fuss, But clearly some people have more of a loading than others and it's really important to say, um, look, we had a lot on our plates and now it's worse for us and we're actually going to build in some resources. And to remember that there are organisations that are still open that are there for helping families and so don't leave yourself short. So my organisation, Relationships Australia, of course, is um, open for business as are many others. So I think that's the first thing is don't let yourselves get more isolated. And the other thing is, to start to talk about that even as a couple, to say, to say, look, we were doing it tough and we're going to have to work hard to be especially kind to each other when we're actually feeling at our worst or, in fact, we've got very few resources between us. And, uh, and so, you know, how are we going to do that um, without kind of turning on each other? So I think, again, being preemptive, naming it, because once you name it, inevitably it will happen that you'll start picking at each other and then you you already have a map in your mind about oh yeah this is what we talked about this is one of those bad days we talked about it sort of immediately gives you a bit of a softer place to go and to feel like you are in it together whereas if you haven't talked about it or got any plan and you stumble into one of those days sometimes your mind can go somewhere else like you know well they should just be better than this or I knew it; they were going to let me down or, you know, you can go into that sort of negative rumination rather than a a kind of united approach to the to the struggle. So a lot of us are
0: looking at the same four walls and the same people, whether it's our partner, our children, um, we're all kind of in this lockdown together. Do you have any tips for how we might manage that kind of um, building tension or the cabin fever, for want of a better word, that can make relationships hard? Is there anything outside of counselling that you could suggest?
1: I think families can be, in fact, very creative if there is some leadership and some opportunities to do that. So having um, some defined separate time where everybody goes off to do an activity, whether it is you know, speak to their friends or Google something or whatever, then that's another version of resourcing yourselves. Um, Ideally turning outside the family, encouraging your kids to be in touch with their friends or research a topic or do something so that there is new material. And so have some defined times apart and then a coming back together also refreshes you rather than thinking we've all got to be stuck in the lounge together all day. And also I think you can, um, some of the families that I've, spoken to who've been particularly creative have done things like each family member has to take responsibility for planning a surprise activity and everybody else has to go along with them so it might be once in the morning and once in the afternoon one might say well my, my um, plan is to play Uno as a family for 20 minutes maybe in the afternoon they all watch a movie and people just think of different activities and have to research them So I see, you know, that element of surprise where you're often saying, oh, my God, it's the same day and it's the same four walls, but instead say, oh, I wouldn't have thought to watch that movie. I mean, if you can come to the right headspace, even if you usually hate board games, to say, well, what the hell, I'll give it a go. I think that also creates a little frisson of interest and a bit of fun, and I've spoken to families who've had surprising fun. I think the other thing that we're seeing happen is that... People are reaching out to those they may not have seen for days or weeks or years. So once we're Zooming and doing Zoom dinners, for example, I've had a lot of people say to me, and while I'm Zooming, I invited a friend from Queensland and I invited a friend from New York, and suddenly it's possible to think of solutions and bring people back into the family's life that I think we mostly think, well, who will I see this weekend? I'll see the person I know in the next suburb. But now that we can go international with our relationships, I think getting in touch with, you know, great auntie Flo in America could be very interesting for your children. So some of those things I'm seeing emerge with a great deal of humour and interest for families as well. And going back to
0: the couple, because they are the basis of that family Mm. life, do you have any tips on things that you can do in your relationship to make
1: it a bit easier in lockdown? I think it's it's equally important for the couple to say, how do I individually travel at my best? So if rather than say, well, what are you going to do for me? Or, you know, how are you going to step up? Which can be very tempting to fling our needs straight out onto the other person to instead say, well, I need to be accountable for how I'm at my best. So if if you're at your best by exercising every day, having contact with friends, to make sure that you do that, that you don't um, wait around saying, well, I thought we should walk together or you're supposed to be my main friend now. When you know that that's not where you're at your best as a couple, I mean, again, be accountable for your own needs and don't get into that sort of groupthink or an imposed groupthink where suddenly we're together. We should be everything to each other. Secondly, don't expect your partner to be someone that they're not. If they're a bit introvert and you're more extrovert, they're not suddenly going to sort of step up. They're not going to suddenly come out of their cave. They're going to need to be what they've always been. So again, say, well, I can't can't actually turn on them. And, you know, you may get more satisfaction out of getting a lot of home projects done. It may not be your partner's style, their interest. And in fact, they may have more paid work to do. So I, I think, again, it's very easy for couples to start to impose their regime on the other. Um, well, I'm cleaning the ceiling fans and why aren't you helping me? <laughs> you know, you've got to, and I mentioned that because it's on my list, of course, but um, but I think it's really it's really important that we don't start to make unilateral decisions and decide the best way forward, but to Discuss together how these things are going to work. You know, I think the other thing we are also seeing is we're exposed to watching our partners work if we're lucky, if they have a job still, and sometimes we don't like what we see, you know. <laughs> and so you're finding out things that you wouldn't normally have access to because they'd be in their office. Um, and you might think, gee, they're slack, or, you know, or their work ethic's terrible, or, gee, they're rude to their staff. I've never heard them speak like that before, whatever it is. And you've also got to be prepared to bracket off what you're hearing and try and let them get on with it um, if you think there's no harm done. What about
0: moods? Because once upon a time you could go for a walk. I mean, you still can go Mm. for a walk, of course. But how do you not take on your partner's stuff if they're having a bad day because there's not always a reason at this point in time is there like sometimes the lockdown just gets to people and they get in a bad mood and if you're the closest person you might be the one that cops it so how can we maintain our maintain our own sense of equilibrium if our partner's in a bad mood
1: look I think it really helps when your partner can be accountable for their bad mood and when you're in a bad mood you don't always feel accountable you just feel cranky (laughs) but if if somebody has the wherewithal to say look I'm just in a bad mood can you leave me alone Um, and to have enough self-esteem to actually leave them alone you know there are some people that are very anxious if their partner's riled up and can't leave them alone until they're happy again and that's very unhelpful so I think um, I think if you can know in whatever way one can know, either they tell you or you just know that it is just a bad day, they're not normally like that, you knew they had a deadline or whatever it is, then I think it really is better not to pick at it and force them to admit to it or or stop and try and unpack it, but to actually give them space and come back to it in an hour or two uh, when they emerge for lunch and, and to ask something much more gentle and inquiring like, look, how are you, you don't see myself today, to just bring it to their attention. And hopefully, if they're generally a decent person, they'll say, oh, look, you're right, I was very short this morning. If, though, this is a pattern of behavior that you see where you quite regularly tiptoe on eggshells or um, you really don't know what to make of it and you raise it with your partner and they deny that there's a problem, then those sort of dynamics are probably, they've always been there. Those things don't just happen overnight that could signal a need for a bigger discussion. And generally that discussion works best, not in the moment. So if they're in the middle of being a grump, that's not the time, but to wait till maybe a few days later and to say, I'd like to talk to you. And I notice, you know, that there's been quite a number of days this week where, you know, you've seemed very short. Have you got a work stress? What's on your mind? Can I help? It does seem to flow onto me. Um, And that's very unpleasant for me and I'd really, I'd like that to stop. How can we do that differently? Um, I think if you approach it in some sort of collegial way, um, if you know that your partner fundamentally would not want to be like that, um, but as I say, if you think it's part of a pattern where they don't really own their stuff and you are walking on eggshells, then that's a different order of problem and that will probably need some professional guidance.
0: Now, as parents, we're often told to make sure we maintain our date nights, which are pretty much completely off the table unless you're living in an intergenerational household where you can drop the kids with your parents. Most of us can't see our parents or our kids' grandparents at the moment, and you certainly can't hire in a babysitter. How do we get what we would normally get out of a date night if that's not on the table anymore?
1: look, it is it is really difficult because there's no way to dress up, that you don't have a date night, you know you sort of can't do anything else with it. but I think if you if you as a couple can talk about well, what does date night mean to us, And for some people it is certainly space for us without the kids, for others it is um it's a treat, it's having someone else wait on us. You know it feels like we give all the time and we got a little bit back. sometimes it is uh, a break from the routine. So depending what the elements are, to also think that there could be some of those other elements, like it might be letting yourselves get takeaway, where, again, you get a bit of an experience of a night off from the the cooking and the washing up. So I think don't let yourself get rid of every element when some could be recreated. The other thing is, too, depending on the age of your children, if they're young enough, you can still say, how will we do date night in the house and make it a creative problem to solve? You know, what can we do? And it might be, let's have the discipline of of turning off the TV and actually spend the evening talking. And even that for many couples will be quite... Sort of jarring and a bit odd, but is the same as meeting over a dinner table. You could set the dinner table and and do that. Um, even if you've got teenagers, you could say to them, "We're going to have date night. We want you to go to your rooms and watch the screens or whatever you're going to do, because we're going to be in the lounge tonight." And you know that's not a bad thing for your kids to see that you're putting some time aside. So I think some of those things are are still doable and can still create some interest. I think you can also do some of the elements of surprise if you are stuck, but you have an activity you enjoy, like watching a movie together, you could still say, well, let's take turnabout, making the choice and surprising each other. Even just a little frisson of something that makes you sit up and take notice, do something you wouldn't normally do, can create a little bit of that same energy. Well, Elizabeth,
0: I have taken a lot of advice from that. So thank you so much for speaking to us today. It's a pleasure. That's Elizabeth Shaw. She's the CEO of Relationships Australia, New South Wales. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.